What's going on, y'all? Jason here from Climbing the Pocket, and uh, we're back with a uh, another different edition of the show. We're going back behind enemy lines here with, uh, actually, as opposed to, you know, a fan blogger, we're going actually with a professional sports journalist for this one here. We got in Bill Williamson, who some of you might know, might remember. He actually covered the team back in the day, and so... We had an interview where we talked about many of the same topics we have in our Behind the Lines series over the last few years, but we got a different perspective this go-around. We got the perspective of a journalist, which in many cases one might say would be a little bit less optimistic than you might hear from someone who runs a fan site, but still great insights all the same. Uh, So give it a listen, let me know how you feel about it, if you like this, if you prefer the fan perspective, and uh, yeah, we'll keep this thing rolling along for you. So uh, stay tuned, we have our interview with Bill Williamson coming right up. Introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. ...to the right, five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left, Moss caught it at the 11, but now he finds it! To Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest joining us today to help us get ready for the Vikings matchup against the Raiders. It's a name that some of you might actually know from uh, from past times, but I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. Uh, very happy to be joined today by Bill Williamson. Uh, Bill, thank you for coming on the Climbing the Pocket podcast. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Well, uh, doing a bit of research on you here before the show, and... Uh, Looks like you have some ties to our to our team. Uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and, I guess, uh, your ties to Minnesota and how you ended up out in Oakland? Yeah, well, um, I, I covered the Vikings from 2000 to 2004 at the St. Paul Pioneer Press as a beat writer. And uh, so I was there every day during a, a lot of uh, crazy times. Um, you know, the end of the Danny Green, uh, Corey Stringer, of course, um, the Mike Tice era, you know, the, the last path of Randy Moss's career there, the end of Chris Carter, um, just a really an incredible time in Vikings history, 41-0 to the Giants, of course. Um, so yeah, lots of, uh, lots of busy times in, in Minnesota for myself. Yeah, a lot of busy times and so many crazy stories that you, in fact, wrote a book about it. Uh, I guess, is yep. there, are there any particular stories? Is there any one story that really stands out from, uh, from your time here? Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, I mean, as far as the book goes, there was just was several little kind of quick hit, funny stories or not, not necessarily funny, but just quick hit stories. I mean, I, I don't want to be a downer, but I mean, I think the most memorable was, just the Corey Stringer story because it's from a reporter standpoint, it was such an incredible, unusual, sad story. And it wasn't football, but it was football. And it just, it, you know, basically it was the storyline of the entire year. And uh, it was just an incredible, incredible thing to be part of. And I, you know, I think I really grew as a journalist during that time, but also, you know, kind of from a human aspect too, because here we are, you know, going to a football practice, and then, you know, I'll never forget. I can pretty much remember every minute of, of you know, about two days there, 
um, before it happened and after it happened. So that's kind of what really, that's kind of my memory of Minnesota, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it was a very sad situation, but but that was it. But, I mean, if we would get a little lighter, you know, I mean, Randy Moss was an incredible um, specimen to uh, witness every day. I mean, sometimes he was rude to you. Sometimes he was mean to you. Sometimes he was terrific to you. Um, and that's just the way it went. And that was, you know, I mean, I think that you could say that for other people that just weren't reporters. But watching him on the field and the practice field was an incredible treat. Um, but he wasn't easy to cover, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, uh, I guess transitioning from Randy Moss to another wide receiver that has spent a, a fair bit of time in the news, um, Antonio Brown, the Raiders, hard knocks. Mm. Um, what is the mood around the team after what has been a very, very eventful offseason? Moving on, uh, you know, kind of circle the wagons, kind of us against him a little bit, I think. Because, I mean, I, I think some players and, and coaches can certainly play the train that, hey, he abandoned us, and and he did, you know. I mean, they were forced to cut him. They didn't want to cut him. Um, So, um, I think they just want to move on, you know. But, I mean, here's the deal. As weird it was and unusual it was, it's the equivalent of your best player on offense getting hurt for the season two days before the season starts. So, I mean, it changed the playbook. It, it, it changed their approach to everything. You know, I mean, guy, what, what was a pretty deep receiver core is not that deep anymore because of the loss. It was deep because they had one of the best receivers in football on it, you know. So there's, there's some um, – there's some certainly some chain of events that have happened, and I think we saw that they really they played really well against the Broncos to open the season. I think it was all adrenaline, and then uh, last week against Kansas City, although they did take a 10-0 lead in the first quarter, it just kind of fell apart, and uh, you could really saw the lacking of a number two receiver there. So I think that's something that the Vikings you need to take advantage of this week, and I'm sure they'll try to. Yeah, I guess. I guess last question on the uh, the Antonio Brown situation. Obviously, it's something that you know dominated social media, really the news cycle for for a while there when things were really going sour in Oakland. But but how did things get so far off the rails between the team and and, and Brown? Like from from your perspective, what really set it to the point where they they ended up, as you said, having to release their best offensive player? You know, I mean, go through the history of. You know, not going to team meetings in the off season, and maybe not being completely bought in. There's stories of that, um, and then you know the the uh, frostbitten feet um, to start training camp, and then the whole weird helmet fiasco that he wouldn't let go of. Doesn't seem to be a problem in New England, but it was in Oakland. Um, and then I think, I mean, it really it was bad, but I think. It, Really, but Gruden kept backing him up, and you know he's all in and all this stuff. And then I, I think it completely the the beginning of the end was that Wednesday before the season when Brown opened the morning by putting a, a fine letter from Mike Mayock on Instagram. It's you know like basically telling the world that he got screwed over by this team because they find him for God forbid, by missing practices and not 
and and not living up to his contract. Yeah. You know, the Raiders were very much in their right to do that. He put them through the ringer for weeks and weeks and weeks, and so they fought back with a $42,000 fine. You know, I think that was within their right. They had to show some kind of, you know, authority, and he didn't like that, put it on Instagram, and then at practice, him and Mike Mayock, the general manager, you know, get into a, a, a war of words where, you know, it reportedly Antonio Brown threatened his general manager, his boss, in front of everybody. And then the next day, the Raiders leaked that, that that happened. And it was, you know, the week that he's probably going to be suspended. And then, you know, Mike Mayock talks to the media very tersely. I got nothing to say. We're going to have a, you know, announcement soon. The next morning, Friday, John Gruden comes to the media with a tail between his legs saying, oh, he's going to play on Monday. John Gruden picked Antonio Brown over his general manager. It was a terrible decision. I put on Twitter, if this happens, it's the worst leadership mistake of John Gruden's career. Got a lot of heat from Raider fans for that because they just want the player to play, you know. Um, and then later, uh, Antonio Brown talks to the media this Friday, three days before the season, says everything's cool, and then Later that day, he finds out the Raiders, well, part of this condition is that we're going to take away some guarantees. And then he went apey, you know, went nuts. And friggin' that was the end because he, he went nuts again publicly. And they had, no, they had no recourse but to cut him Saturday morning. But, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Ra- Raiders did the right thing. Well, they did, but they should have done it long t- a lot earlier. <laughs> you know, I mean, John Gruden choosing the player over his general manager less than 24 hours before cutting him wasn't a good look, and that won't go away. The next thing that I, that we wanted to get your thoughts on is with this this game, this matchup, uh, something that I was surprised to see you take a bit of heat on. I'm not sure if it was actually real heat or people were being tongue-in-cheek with it. When you said that, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously a lot better than Derek Carr. So you're getting a little bit of flack for that on Twitter. But what are your thoughts on this current matchup? Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, many ways they seem to be very similar type quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on how things are going to go in this duel of quarterbacks when uh, Oakland faces off against the Vikings? Yeah, I think Derek Carr, I, I think Carr, you know, stands maybe may a little better than Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting comparison. It really is. Um, it may be a week to week thing. Maybe maybe they're very similar. I don't know. I, I, I at one part of me like to say that I, I think that Derek Carr makes less mistakes than Kirk Cousins, but that's not always the truth. You know, <laughs> he made a really stupid uh, inter- threw a really stupid ball in the. Uh, in the uh, end zone on like first and four that got intercepted last week. Um, so yeah, I mean that might you might be onto something. They may be pretty similar. Derek Carr, I think, has a higher week to week ceiling. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. If uh, I guess if I was forced to play them in a key daily fantasy week, <laughs> I'd probably take Carr over Cousins. You know, if if the opponent was the same. Um, I, I think Derek Carr has a lesser chance to make 
crucial mistakes, but he makes plenty of himself. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's, um, that's and, definitely and, fair. I, I think they're pretty similar. All right, well, uh, and, but Derek Carr can't do well. I mean, he was great on week one. He really was, know? and then I mean, he came back to earth a bit in in week two. And I guess with that. And uh, you did write an article on Forbes that broke down some of these things for us. But what are what are some of the big storylines? What are the other things coming out of out of Oakland, uh, you know, after last week's game? And, and what are the thoughts that uh, that you have will be the keys for for this matchup and for the Raiders as they move forward in the season? Um, the Raiders are a little banged up. Uh, Trent Brown didn't practice yesterday. The right tackle, he's a real key to the offensive line. Um, his replacement Brandon Parker struggled. Um, and I think he will struggle if he plays again against Minnesota. Um, so if Trent Brown doesn't practice today, that's a big storyline. Josh Jacobs has a groin injury. The rookie running back who's looked very good, and he's uh, put on Instagram that he's sick and he lost 10 pounds. He was limited yesterday, so we'll see. Um, you know, I, I would think in setback he plays. Ty- uh, Tyrell Williams, the number one receiver by default in Oakland, and who's played well for sure. The last two games, he has a hit pointer. Uh, he will play, but he won't be a hundred percent. So they're a little banged up. Um, I think the keys for the Raiders, you know, other than getting receiver production, is stopping, you know, containing Dalvin Cook, not letting him take over. I mean, he's been incredible, as you guys know, in the first two weeks. Um, the Raiders' run defense has been good the first two weeks. Um, they're only averaging sixty-three yards a game, which is the fifth lowest. Now against Kansas City, that was a little skewed because, you know, Patrick Mahomes did whatever he wanted in the air. So they really didn't give a crap about the run game, you know. Um, but they have made some plays on the ground. They do look faster and look a little better against uh, against the run. So, you know, if, if, they, if they take Cook out of the game, you know, as much as they can, I guess really, you know, contain the explosive plays and I think that takes it to the next key is you know making Cousins take over the game make Cousins make the big plays of the game force him into mistakes um the Raiders have five sacks in two games nothing to write home about but they only had 13 in the entire season last year the the lowest by a long shot so they are having showing more pass rush life um, whether it's average or not, but it, it, it is better. Um, but the Raiders, who struggled to get inter- turnovers last year, still haven't had an interception yet, so maybe that changes this week. So, really, I think the keys are kind of, you know, defensively for the Raiders. Okay, and, and speaking of that defense, are there any – who are the names we should be paying attention to? Because the general consensus, and, you I mean, you just – you know, really touched on a, on a big part of that is the Raiders' pass rush was not good. The Raiders' defense overall was not good last year. Um, who are the players we should be looking for on defense? Because largely, um, you know, Vikings fans, we don't know many of them. You know, you probably shouldn't because there's not a lot of stars on that team anymore uh, defensively. I mean, Gron Conley's decent at, at cornerback Ohio State player. Um, you know, Vontez Burfecht, in the middle linebacker from Cincinnati played for uh, Raiders defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther in Cincinnati all those years. He's actually looked better than he did in the last couple of years in Cincinnati. The first couple of games, his key is health. Um, Maurice Hurst from Michigan defensive tackle was decent. 
Quentin Farrell, the number four overall pick, defensive end. He's been pretty active, you know. A lot of people, including myself, thought he was overdrafted and the Raiders could have done better at number four as far as impact. But he's been pretty active. So those are kind of the guys to look for. Not, not Again, nothing, no, no superstars here, at least not yet. Okay. All right. Well, from the from the Raiders' perspective, uh, which matchups should really make them most nervous heading into this game? Well, I guess you know the, the receivers in Minnesota, the Raiders' cornerbacks are about average, but those are some good receivers. And again, just going back to what I said, I think stopping, you know, stopping Cook, and then if Trent Brown is not playing, and Brandon Parker is. At right tackle, that's something to worry about all day long. Another interesting thing is Richie Incognito is going to make his debut. He hadn't played in over, you know, almost two years um, after he, he had two days suspension after signing with the Raiders. He'll be the right guard, so that's something to look at too. Okay, and then I guess the other side of that, where do you expect Oakland to have the biggest advantage in this game? Um. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it depends on who we see, you know. Yeah. It depends on depends on who we see. What 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 are we going to see? The Broncos Raiders or the Chiefs Raiders? I, you know, I I wrote in that Forbes piece that this game is um, is really going to be a witness test for the Raiders and show us who they're going to be um, because I think the, Chief, the the Vikings are you know in the middle of the Chiefs and the Broncos, so. How are the Raiders going to play against, you know, probably a a slightly above average team? Can the Raiders be slightly above average? Are they going to be lower than that? So, um, I don't know. I don't know where the advantages are for the Raiders. Is it, you know, maybe Tyrell Williams deep? You know, it it just depends on what Raider team we see. I don't know if it's a cop-out or not, but that's kind of where we're at. You know, that that's absolutely fair. And uh, last Maybe couple... the kicker, which is Daniel Carson. Who, you <laughs> kicker know, revenge game. Know. There we go. Yeah. I mean, you know, a guy from the AP, Josh DeBow in Oakland, uh, he wrote last – he did a tweet last night and said that he did since, since, you know, becoming a Raider last year, he, he has tied for the highest field goal percentage, uh, like 94.7 or something. And, and someone and probably followed that up and said that we've been the worst. Percentage. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, hey, if that game is, you know, tied and or the Raiders are losing by two points uh, with five seconds left and they're at the 30, there may be your advantage, you know. That'd be a hell of a storyline for everybody. Oh, man. that oh, oh, the pain that would bring to the fan I don't base. Know, I don't know if Zimmer could take that. <laughs> I don't know that he could either. Well, last couple things for you here. Uh <laughs> Do you have a bold prediction for the game? Something that might happen that uh, that, that we're not really expecting? Um, again, it. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it's it's so hard this week to figure out what the Raiders are going to do. As far as prediction, I think the Raiders. I think the Vikings will win twenty four twenty one. I think it'll be a pretty close game. Okay, Vikings win twenty four twenty one though. Okay. And then um, I guess the, the the last thing here. Obviously, you did write the piece on Forbes that has the um, you know the keys for this particular game. But is there anything else that uh, yeah you've put out recently or that you have upcoming that the listeners should be on the lookout for that you want listeners to take a look at? I wrote a um, a piece for Forbes this week on um, possible landing spots for Jalen Ramsey, and I wrote sixteen spots. I got a little crap for that, 
But hey, I think I think it's going to be a robust market. I think it is a robust market. I think that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been traded yet is that they're going to go sift through some offers. Uh, so you know, there's some uh, NFC North teams on that list. If you want to check but it out? I noticed you did leave us off that list, though. I don't I don't know how I how I feel about this. Well, you know, I I, I, I wasn't going seventeen. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Well, uh, Bill, thank you so much for uh, for making time to to come on with us today and give us some of the insight on what is going on in and around the Oakland franchise. And his uh, last question: uh, How are things with the fan base? Given that you know the team came off a rough season, they're supposed to be moving. You got all the drama in the in the off season. Like, how are things with the fan base? Is the support still there, like it's always been? Raider Raider fans are very unique, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the support is mostly there now. If if they start stinking, and you know if they're out of it in late November, maybe you know there, there will be some empty seats because that has happened in recent years. Um, but you know, there's a lot of fans, Raider fans everywhere, because they're you know they're a high profile team in the '70s and '80s, so guys grown up and their kids like them, you know, but there's Viking fans, you know, outside of Minnesota, you know, and there's Cowboy fans, there's Packer fans, there's Steeler fans, Dolphin fans. Those kind of teams have fans everywhere because of their success early. And that's the Raiders. Um, so there's always going to be a Raider. Fan. So it's, it's there'll be people in the Bay area that are mad, but it won't really affect the fan base. Cause there's a lot of, you know, Vegas will be filled. Awesome. And, um, you know, and this has happened once before. They left Oakland once before, and people came back. So they're kind of immune to it, you know. Makes sense. It makes sense. Well, again, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, I guess I hope your score prediction comes through this weekend. All right. Hey, take care. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have a great day. <laughs>